And he spoke. You can't. What? Well, I'm giving it to you. Should I turn it on? Turn it on? Is it on now? I'm sorry. Can you hear now? Okay. I went to the hospital once again thinking it would be nothing because most things are in life. I find that it's not nearly as bad as we talk about it, but we worry about it. But it turned out mine. Uh, did need a little more than my own strength or my family's strength. It needed the Lord's strength. It needed God to pull me through this. And the first day the doctor came and he said, uh, we maybe can treat it with medicine, but we probably can do nothing. And uh, that left us in a real bummed out feeling. My daughter Sarah, who always is in charge of reacting, <laughs> Lest you think when I'm gone, there'll be no one to react. It, it will still keep going. And um, so I felt really bad because that was kind of like a death sentence. And so he said, I'm going out and look, see who I can find, you know, look at some directories and I'll see who does this kind of surgery. As he's looking here and asking this, uh, the guy beside him, who is Dr. Uh, Childers? comes along and he said, what's wrong? He said, Mr. Gamp is high risk, high problems. We've got to do that. And Dr. Childers said, that's what I do for a living. And he sent him back in and he came in and said, I put my foot in my mouth. It's not nearly that. And with that, we had Dr. Childers in the driver's seat only because God put him there. But uh, it made me feel much better. I awakened really just feeling like the most needy person had ever been. And everything looked different. One morning, and it was pretty early, this will give you an idea, I woke up and barely as I opened my eyes, I could look across the table and I could see none other than the lovely Penny and her husband Clyde. I'll tell you, that's the first thing that hit me. And they were like the most beautiful people I'd ever seen. And they really are, I now know that. But it's what God put in me to make me really appreciate all these things that I have taken for granted. And I believe maybe some of you have taken these things for granted too. And you really, you know, look at every day. It's pretty wonderful. Anne would tell you, I'm just a bear to live with. But at the same time, I'm happy like I live for the mail. You know, you race to the mailbox, you never know. You could have won something. There could be a letter from someone. Every morning when I wake up, I can't wait to see the sun. I can't wait to do lots of things like that. It's always exciting. Even eggs. Maybe it'll be double yolk today. <laughs> so there's really, there's a lot to be thankful for. And just learning this and how to whole network without any planning at all. Steve did his part. Serena came in. Each person did exactly as they were supposed to. And I thought, my gosh, there's a manual for this, and I haven't read it yet. <laughs> A card. A card was fine. I always thought people made too big of a difference out of cards. 
until I started keeping a constant tally of how many I had received and reread them 32 times to myself and anyone else that would listen. And these are the things. We, we don't have to do great big things. All we have to do are little tiny things with love. I believe uh, Mother Teresa maybe even said that. I don't know if we're quoting Catholics today, but I will. And, uh, and that's what I think. Everything that I do, it's, it's okay to do this because someone is going to benefit from this. When I, you know, one morning, I was kind of confused when I was in the hospital. Anne tells me, but Anne never gave in. I could argue that she would never give the others would just go on and say, yeah, we saw that. What was that big floating thing? It looked like a spider, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I was in a horrible place. And uh, Tim came one morning. We happened to be in a room that we think Tim was born in when he was at the hospital. So Tim was kind of pacing around, and he was so anxious. And when my sisters came, he raced to the hall, and he says, he's forgotten how to write, and he thinks he's taking a baby home with him. <laughs> Well, I hadn't forgot to write, but I knew I wasn't any <laughs> And it's all these acts of love. I have felt so different when I come here, and I've gone here and been all of you almost my whole life. But I have a whole brand new appreciation for people that I never, ever dreamed was possible. And uh, different people work in strange ways. They give you a nurse to take care of you while you're in the hospital. I get someone that's blonde-headed, weighs about... 29 pounds. <laughs> it's about 18 years old, and I thought, this is going to be really good together. We'll have a lot. <laughs> well, seems like she was fairly quick because I said, Crystal, I can't find my glasses. I don't know where my glasses are. And she came over to the bed and she said, okay, let's get it straight. I'll find them if you'll calm down. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> She was one of Ann's students, but it turned out she was pretty remarkable, and she was just the person I needed to work with. And I could honestly go, I believe, around the room and say something about every person. I won't, but there was one of my favorite gifts while I was in the hospital was a dozen homegrown eggs, and you know where those came from, and it was exciting to get them. And people took care of me. I honestly didn't know that I wanted to get well. <laughs> You know, if it weren't for the inconvenience, it was pretty nice being in that head spot. And uh, and now, for those that are not interested in the head spot, but if you still listen to radio or television, I am still part of this. They're going to, I'm milking this for all it's worth, and it pays absolutely nothing. So it's like most of the jobs I've ever had. <laughs> I really like it a lot. But when I talk about being a father, my first example for a father long before I was ever a father, is God, our Father that takes care of us. Amen. When I'm lying there in the hospital, and I started to get antsy, and it was late at night, and I didn't know where I was, in a most pathetic voice, I'm sure it is, because sometimes May, who was the night attendant and warden, would come and say, Mr. Gamper, are you singing again? <laughs> and I'd say, yes. She said, well, it doesn't bother me. I like to hear that singing. But when I would be nervous, I could recall one of these hymns from memory. And I could sing my way through it. And by the time I was at the end, I no longer had that problem. And these are all these wonderful things we have with us every day that we can do these things. We can change everything if we want to. And we have. And I looked at people that I don't even know, like 
Bess, I knew Bess came through an open heart surgery. She was one of my secret heroes. You were going to the Indiana Jones of surgery. You know, each person that I got to watch and learn from, I, I learned something from, I believe, everyone in the congregation. I learned about my very own grandchildren and their huge capacity for love and how much you matter to these people. You may think some days that you sit around the house and you may say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter to them. It does matter. It all matters. It's something we're lucky enough to have. My own children. Tim is always kind of laid back and quiet and kind of thinks that I'm nuts. <laughs> don't, don't give him any more to go on that. But, and then Sarah, who has the strange, strange, strange passion for being compassionate and passionate in the best kind of ways. I have David. When when Dave and Sarah got married at the end of the ceremony and I came up to tell them, you know, congratulations, Dave said, now you really are my dad. I'll never get over it. It will last for the rest of my life. I will have that. For Jennifer and the way she looks at things and picks out things that she knows I like, she and I are totally different people, but we have lots of the same interests and we enjoy that. And I am now much closer to my own sisters, which I wasn't before. We go out together. They both, for those that are interested, are going to church in Wheelersburg at the Church of Christ now, something I prayed for for a really long time. And once you've had this big favor of the heart surgery, you think, ah, that'd probably about be all my favors for my life. It's just the beginning. You get more things. Every time your faith is stronger, you get more things out of it. It's really exciting. And so that's it. I, you know, I'm not. I thought I would devote my entire 10 minutes to kissing each one of you. So I ran it by the review board and they said, how about not? So, so well, I love all of you. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you all. Well, this being Father's Day, I thought I'd take this chance to tell you about my two fathers. My earthly father is a quiet man, and uh, I can honestly say I don't ever remember him losing his temper or raising his voice, uh, unless you count when he was talking to a cow a time or two. <laughs> but Dad had a, a way of taking the predicament that I'd gotten myself into and come up with a one-liner that fit the situation and taught me a lesson and I remembered it the rest of my life. Uh, most of the ones I'm going to use for an example today happened 45 to 50 years ago between when I was 10 to 15 years old and I still remember them like they happened yesterday. My other father is God. He's all-powerful and he's the creator of the universe. And he speaks to me through his word. And both of these Fathers of mine seem harsh sometimes, but they're more fully appreciated as life goes on. And I know that both of them have my best interest in mind. The first uh, lesson that I want to share with you was the idea that you need to grow up. One time when I was very young, I ran a tractor through a gate. And when Dad found out what was going on, he said, that's what I get for sending a boy out to do a man's job. 
And then I look at uh, that situation with my other father in Hebrews. The writer talks about trying to deliver a message to the Hebrew people. And he says it's just hard to explain because of your immaturity. And uh, you need to leave the elementary teachings and go on to maturity. So what I learned from these examples is you can't be treated like an adult as long as you persist in your childish ways. The next lesson I want to relate to you was that of idleness. Dad was always fond of saying, let's go do something even if it's wrong. And the idea is that sitting around doing nothing accomplishes nothing. Ecclesiastes writer says, whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. And James says, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. So I learned from this that the only way to get something accomplished is to get moving. When the idea of fear come along, one time I was given a job that required climbing pretty high up in a tree. And I got almost up and was being very hesitant because I was starting to be afraid. Dad watching from the ground says, well, just get down and let a man up there. So I went on up and did the job. And when you stop and you think about the idea of fear in the Bible, you know, there were eight spies that were afraid, and that caused an awful lot of trouble for the children of Israel. And uh, the one talent man in Matthew was condemned because of his fear. So from this I learned just fear is not a very good reason to stop a good work. Uh, change. In Dad's life, he's seen farming uh, go from mules and steam power to tractors with air-conditioned cabs and GPS guidance. And he was always willing to try new technology. When Jesus came on the scene, uh, he said things like the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I desire mercy over sacrifice. And he very well turned the religious world on end. So... Uh, from the lesson that I learned from these is that basics go unchanged, but the application methods are always changing and always improving. Another uh, lesson I learned was to check your progress regularly. When Dad set me on a piece of equipment, his advice was to look back once in a while. And what he meant by that was just don't assume that everything going on behind you is like operating like it should. So in, in 1 Corinthians, it says a man ought to examine himself. If we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. And from this I learned, just don't assume that things are going okay. Check once in a while. In uh, the idea of passing blame, one time Dad had me mowing hay when I was very young and the mowing machine just would not work properly. I'd go maybe 50 feet and it would plug up, and another 50 feet and it would plug up, and I was getting pretty hot under the collar. And about that time he showed up, and said, what's going on? And I said, that stupid mowing machine just won't work. And he looked me right in the eye and he says, machines ain't stupid, it's the people trying to use them. <laughs> he took a wrench out of the tractor toolbox and tightened the belt and the thing worked fine the rest of the day. And your Bible starts out with uh, Adam trying to blame Eve and then Eve trying to blame the servant. And James said each one of us is tempted by, when by our own evil desire we're dragged away and enticed. And from these lessons I've learned you just need to take responsibility for your own faults. Another example uh, he gave me one day, uh, 
was to look at the bright side of the situation you're into. I had a little motorcycle when I was uh, approximately 13 years old, and I kept the roads hot around Ashley Corner. And one day I had a flat tar, and I changed my rear tar, but in my haste I forgot to hook up the brake cable. There was a little grocery store down the road that we were fond of loafing at, and I crashed that thing right in the side of the motor of the of the uh, grocery store. It bent the front wheel back to where it just almost touched the engine, but you could still ride it. It would still. So I limped home with that, and I was pretty disappointed because this was my pride and joy. And I saw Dad. Dad was there at the barn when I drove in, and I, I'll never forget. He looked at that and kind of shook his head, and I said, "What are we going to do?" And he said, take that front wheel off, put it on backwards, and go hit the store again. <laughs> but then he stopped what he was doing, got the appropriate tools out, and helped me fix the thing. And from this, Job says, My mouth would encourage you. Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. And in Matthew, Jesus says, Come to me with your burdens, and I will give you rest. And from this, I learned that doubt and time sometimes need humor to get through. But they always need comfort and help. And then another lesson that he taught by example was that God is number one. You, God is first, and then you farm. In Matthew, it says, Seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So the way it's always been shown to me was you plan your work around God's schedule and not vice versa. So with these few lessons that are related with you, I came up with kind of a life summary that I think is pretty well the way, or life uh, psychology that I pretty well uh, think I live my life by, and, and that's uh, as follows. It says, I said, Grow up and stay busy. And don't be afraid to try new things. Check your progress often and accept the blame for mistakes. Look for life's bright spots. And remember, there is always someone there to help and always make God number one. You know, Jesus, several times in the gospel, used the phrase, for those that have ears, let them hear. Well, there was one thing Dad was wrong about all those years. Dad, it didn't go in one ear and right out the other. It's time to close this service, and I'm sure Ralph's got an invitation song ready. And uh, I can't share my earthly father with you. I'm an only child. I've, been, I've had him to myself all my life, and I'm not going to change now. But uh, I can share my heavenly father with you. And so if you want someone to share uh, your burdens, and you want some to be a part of God's family, you need to come forward as this song set being sang or you need to uh, locate one of the elders or preachers and, uh, and get the help you need to be part of this family.